Blog Talk Radio. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Born to Talk Radio Show. I'm your host, Marsha Waiteka. Conversations plus connections equals community. Those are my three C's. The heart of my show is what's your story? It's my belief we all have stories. Some are similar, others are uniquely different. Storytelling brings the passions of my guests to life through our conversations. So be prepared to be entertained, informed, and inspired. Welcome to today's show. Hello, everybody, and this show is so significant and the timing couldn't be better. My guests today are from the Midnight Mission. On, they're located on Skid Row in downtown Los Angeles. And my guests are David Prentice. He is the president and CEO. And there's another David, David Doan. He is a member of the he's a member of the board of directors. Welcome to the show, gentlemen. Thanks, Marcia. Hello, and thank you for having us. My pleasure. And let's let's move forward here because I've got two Davids on the phone. And um, let's start with you, David Prentice. Why don't you just tell our audience just a little bit about yourself so we can get to know you just a little bit. Okay. Well, uh, my name is David Prentice. I am the president and CEO of the Midnight Mission. I was uh, born and raised between Boston, Massachusetts and Dallas, Texas. I, uh, in 1983, I entered the U.S. Army and served for 10 years uh, before leaving and moving to California, where I actually worked in the yachting industry for the next 10, 15 years. Um, I had a, some life-changing events happen, and I decided to go back to school and become a drug and alcohol counselor, and that's how I ended up at the Midnight Mission. Wow, that's a great story. Well, thank you, sir, for your service. And uh, David, um, Doan, you know, I'd, I'd like to ask you that same question. Tell us about a little bit about yourself. Well, Marsha, I'm a West Sider. I was born and raised in uh, Venice, California. My family's been oh. on the West Side of L.A. for mm-hmm. a couple, three generations. Uh, um, I'm married. My wife and I have been married for uh, 46 years uh, now. We have Ooh. two adult children and a grandchild. Uh, uh, career-wise, uh, I joined the Los Angeles Police Department in the, in the early 70s, and I spent 40-plus uh, years working for the Los Angeles Police Department. I retired as a Deputy Chief of Police. My last assignment was uh, the Chief of Detectives. So I have a, a big commitment to the city of L.A. It's always been a part of my life, and uh, making it a better place is uh, part of my life goals. Well, I, I thank you very much. And um, moving forward, because you are both Davids, and, I, I, and um, I have a son named David, so sometimes Dave slips out. But um, we're going to move forward so that we do know who's speaking. So for David Doan, um, I'm going to be calling you director so that you know. And I just want to add an anecdote. Um, I came to know about you because you visited our Rotary Club, because um, the Playa Venice Sunrise Rotary Club, and that's where you and I met. And we do, uh, we have been down there. We were just down there a few weeks ago to serve. And so I, I just want to say thank you, um, Director. And so please give us um, a little brief overview of the Midnight Mission. Marsha, thank you, and thank you for uh, your participation and the Rotary Club's participation. They've been doing it for a lot of yes. years. 
coming down yes. and volunteering to help uh, serve at the mission, and we greatly appreciate that. Oh, you're uh, the, welcome. Midnight mission, the Midnight Mission began in uh, 1914 when uh, Thomas Ludicott, a successful businessman and lay minister, uh, opened uh, the mission, if you will, uh, mm-hmm. and it was a unique uh, mission in Los Angeles at the time because uh, he served food at midnight. And the reason he served food mm. at midnight is he served the food right after his uh, uh, church services in the evening. Uh, he would then provide a, a meal at, at uh, midnight. So that's the where we got our name. I didn't the mission know that. Uh, has been offering a path to self-sufficiency for men, women, and children experiencing homelessness since the 1914. Since 1914, it's a comprehensive homeless shelter and homeless service provider, rendering services to the homeless community. Uh, we take an approach that fuses care and compassion and meaningful accountability, providing the structure and resources for uh, people experiencing homelessness. Uh, yeah. we try to make everyone feel like an individual because they are, and, and try mm-hmm. to help them identify what the issues are for them and what they need to do to help them move away from homelessness. Uh, the yeah. services we provide these days, uh, we provide emergency services, uh, meals, restroom showers, access to bathrooms and so forth, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. We provide uh, clothing distribution once a week. We provide laundry services for those who are experiencing homelessness. We also provide uh, medical clinics and uh, mail services for those who don't have uh, a mailing address. I think the main focus of our uh, program is our healthy living recovery program. We offer a 12-step based uh, program to help uh, men and women get off of uh, drugs and into uh, recovery. We provide sure. uh, crisis, and, crisis and bridge housing, temporary short-term housing for people who are experiencing homelessness, and both of those programs are connected with uh, services, counseling, uh, identification of their needs. Uh, we provide and can provide training education, help people get their GEDs, help people prepare mm. themselves for work. Uh, we have people volunteer to provide legal assistance, to help people who uh, have tickets and other things like that to get uh, those kinds of legal issues uh, and roadblocks to recovery resolved. We provide a uh, home family, home living, re- uh, home light service. It's a family reunification, family housing for families who are experiencing homelessness, uh, and they also are provided services. And then for our most difficult uh, homeless people, the ones who really have issues with sleeping indoors and, and such, we also provide a safe sleep program in the courtyard of our facility in the evening. Uh, we close off the courtyard except for going to the restroom and uh, mm-hmm. set up a secure area for people to uh, sleep. And in the colder months, we provide uh, heating there as well for those who won't come inside to our uh, crisis or bridge housing program. Right. So we try to provide a little bit of everything for those who are in need. Dave, let, uh, Director, let me just ask you another couple of questions before I go over to um, Dave Prentice about the Crisis and Bridge Program. And that is, you, you mentioned quite a few of your services. How many meals a year do you think you guys provide? Do you have any idea? Well, we're, pretty good at, we're pretty good at counting. So in our last yes. uh, fiscal year, we served 977,071 meals in our uh, dining room. In addition wow. to that, we provided uh, 94,550 sack, sack lunches and oh. 15,646 uh, food boxes. Now, you might ask, why do we need sack lunches and food boxes? Well, we provide support services for some of the housing, 
uh, that is not ours that are like mm-hmm. uh, the SRO housing in downtown LA uh, for people in recovery and, and such. We provide uh, support services for those some of those organizations, which includes food, and uh, okay. that includes the sack lunches as well as uh, food boxes and such provide. And we also provide some services to those people uh, as well. So. If you are hungry on Skid Row, the mission is a place to come and get fit. That's and you know, because we do have the um, weather that is, it, it draws people to Southern California because we don't have snow. Um, I know that that sometimes brings more homeless people together. But um, um, Dave Prentice, I want to ask you this because. Um, Director just mentioned something about the Crisis and Bridge program. Could you tell us a little bit more about what that actual program entails? Sure, I'd be happy to. So the Crisis and Bridge program um, for the Midnight Mission is really, uh, again, a gateway to self-sufficiency. It just looks different. When you come in and you've been chronically homeless for a number of years, uh, the crisis part of bridge crisis and bridge housing is can be anything so we we provide on-site medical services it may be mental health care uh it's definitely temporary housing until we can get you housed someplace permanently uh of course that comes with meals and all the wraparound services that somebody when you think of their life being in crisis could use Always, though, keeping a focus point on what is it going to take to get this person moved to a place where they stop going through these type of episodes, going from shelter to shelter, living on the street. That's really what we try to case manage while we have them here in our program. And that's, that's a pretty broad explanation, but that's what Crisis and Bridge comes down to. Right. Do you find that – I know when I was there, um, I definitely saw – now, this was in the late afternoon. It was basically their dinner time. There were considerably mm-hmm. more men than women. Is that pretty? Um, is that a pretty good assessment of the people that you serve? Yes, I would say it's, it's roughly three to one. I'll give you an example. In our men's uh, emergency shelter, we have 150 beds for men, 50 for women. So that's okay. about the scale that we see the need for it. Um, it's sad to say that, it, but a woman in crisis on Skid Row uh, is really in trouble. This is not yes. a place for a single female to be alone. Um, so uh, going back to what Director Doan said, uh, that courtyard comes in very, very handy in the evenings because the women can come in off the street and be in a secured area and sleep and feel Mm -hmm. secure, which is so important. And then from there, we're going to have a conversation with them about coming into the Crisis and Bridge housing program. Right. Do you have a waiting list? Do you have people that wish they could be there, but there's no beds available? You know, one of the things that I'm most proud of of the Midnight Mission is very, I I can't even remember anybody ever being turned away. Turned away. If we don't have the space, we have collaborative partners, and we will provide a referral and a warm handoff to somebody to a program. But if you come to me and you're looking for help, we're going to do something about it in that moment. That's that's great. Marcus. This is Dave. Dunn. Yes. I just want to add one more thing on that business about space. Please. There's been a couple of times when our, our house has been full in my time that's been there. 
But as David said, we always find a, a space for somebody who's in need. And it's always been our policy that if uh, law enforcement or, or the fire department first responders uh, bring somebody to our door, we find a place for them regardless of whether we have a full house or not. If they bring oh, somebody to our door who needs help uh, to make sure that uh, they get some services, we always will make a space for anyone. That's, that's, that's right. wonderful. Actually, yep. Go ahead. I was going to say that the building itself is roughly 144,000 square feet, and 90,000 of that square footage can be made into occupational uh, to uh, to be occupied for people. Mm -hmm. So very, you know, it's under my watch. It's certainly not going to happen. And and as Dave, as uh, Director Don alluded to, I can never recall anybody ever being turned away. Oh, that's wonderful. So let's talk. I'm talking to you now, Dave Prentice. Prentice, if there's mm-hmm. an R there, Prentice. Um, right. Um, you have this healthy living program with this emphasis that you mentioned on sobriety, using the 12-step philosophy. What does that entail? So, it's the healthy living program is for people looking for help with drug addiction, alcoholism, um, any type of substance abuse. And they come into an intensive case-managed environment where they stay for a year, sometimes a little more than a year, mm. and they take that journey from hopeless and on the street, addicted, to clean and sober and, and with a 12-step support system around them. Now, we found that the 12-step modality is the most effective for long-term treatment for people suffering from alcoholism and drug abuse. And that's why we've always maintained that it, it be the center point of the Healthy Living Program. So it's, it's almost like a peer-to-peer counseling group. They have an educated drug and alcohol certified counselor that they deal with Monday through Friday, and they meet with and go to group. But in the evening, we provide vans that take them to uh, 12-step meetings, whether it be AA, CA, NA, uh, wherever they're most comfortable so that mm-hmm. they can plug back into a society and be taught how to live life by people who, are, who have experienced their same dilemmas and are now thriving. So we want to That's immerse great. them in that, in that program. Yes. I, I, I like hearing that. And you, met, you opened a home light family living program in the South Bay for homeless families in 1995. Is that a healthy living program as well? In a sense, it is. We have had families that come in uh, where one of the parents or the the sole parent is has an addiction issue, and in that case, case management will identify that, and, and that person will go through the same as they would if they were in the downtown facility. However, what we see mostly at Homelight are families that are escaping from domestic violence situations, mm. human trafficking situations, and quite recently, we have really been into family reconciliation and uh, reunification at the facility. So I'm just going to quickly give you what that looks like. Sure. Uh, a, mother, a mother who's been struggling with adi- an addiction loses custody of her children. If she goes through a program and gets clean and sober, she now needs to go find her own apartment. Only she can't get an apartment low income without her children and she can't get her children back without 
an apartment to bring them to. So oh, she's man. caught in this middle, right, it's a catch-22. Mm. So Homelight yeah. has, uh, yes, Homelight will be the conduit between the mother and DCFS where the children can be bought and reunified with their family in a safe, uh, case-managed program that lasts a year and has all of the tools of the Healthy Living Program downtown. They're required to get a job, save 70% of their income while they stay with us. And all of this, by the way, is free of charge to anybody who's just willing to go through the program. Whoa. Wow, that's that's remarkable because they don't have the money to pay for it. That's part of the problem. No. And, I mean, I I just would imagine I, I've done – I've worked with some homeless organizations in the past. Some people, and I, I'm, I'm talking to professionals that know much more about this than I do, but you have a lot of people on the street that are very fearful from coming inside, don't you? Yes, we do. And that's where that courtyard comes into play. Uh, they yes. may be afraid to come into the building, but they will come out into the courtyard where our outreach mm-hmm. teams and our access center can guide them to the services they need. Yeah, that's that's wonderful. Well, Director Doan, I want to give you a chance to, to speak a little bit. So I'm just curious um, when and how you became involved with the Midnight Mission. Well, I've known about the Midnight Mission for many years. I uh, worked in Skid Row in the uh, in the early uh, '80s and mm-hmm. and uh, became very familiar with the uh, mission. Um, I joined the missions board. I was asked to join the missions board in uh, 1998. Uh, it helped that my brother's on the board and my best friend uh, was the president and CEO at the time. And uh, so I've been talking with both of them about the mission and ideas and things for the future and what what the board's uh, thinking was. Uh, so I was invited to uh, to join. I'd also point out that there's been a member of, of the Los Angeles Police Department on that board since the 1960s. Someone in command or a leadership position has been on the board to, uh, uh, as part of uh, the department's commitment to the, to the organization. Uh, but I joined at my I joined my own volition because I, I believe in in what we do there and how important it is to help those who uh, have hit rock bottom. And right. there's not much more of a rock bottom than coming to uh, to Skid Row and. Uh, um, the things that we do at the mission are are fantastic to see uh, the transformation for those who really commit themselves to the to the program and to see uh, the life changing impact it has on uh, on people. Uh, it, it's a uh, it's a very rewarding uh, opportunity to serve. It, it is, and I'm I'm looking at your website while we're speaking. And there's a lot, uh, just for those of you listening, you can simply just type in midnightmission.org, and I will include that, obviously, in my follow-up blog so people not only can read more about it but can also get involved and donate. But you have success stories there, too. And perhaps um, if there's time available um, towards the end of this podcast, we can share some of those. But... In, in staying with with how you became an early involved person, and you mentioned your brother as well, why what keeps you what keeps you still so involved today? Why do you still stay involved? I think it's the people. Uh, mm-hmm. It's always the people in your life that make uh, 
that make your life meaningful and the people that I uh, know from the mission, both from the staff standpoint as well as from uh, the client standpoint, uh, those are relationships uh, that are very meaningful. Uh, to see the success stories that you talked about, uh, to see them firsthand, uh, to uh, give somebody a helping hand, uh, give them a hands up to, uh, to sobriety and uh, support them in their efforts to move forward with that. Those are all, all very uh, satisfying experiences. And it's unfortunately something that's needed as much today as it, as it ever has been uh, with the number of people who are uh, dealing with mental health or, or drug issues uh, as part of their homelessness, the, uh, providing those services and making sure that uh, they're provided to uh, the people in need and advocating for uh, that community uh, with the government, et cetera. Those are all things that uh, are important to us to try to make uh, lives better, to try to fix one life, one person at a time. Right. Mm-hmm. Did, do they, did you want to add to that, Dave? No, uh, no, that's okay. Uh, okay. You know, staying in, staying involved. I, I will say this, most of, a lot of the people who work here and who are involved with the board have been here for many, many years. I think the main reason for the staff and the longevity that they stay is that we, unlike the normal population, get to see all of the success stories. That's what we get yes. to focus on. People ask me all the time, how can you go down to Skid Row every day and go to work? And it's really easy. I get to see the successes and the people who graduate our program who buy homes and uh, get married and have children and come down to visit. I got an email this morning from a guy who graduated about 10 years ago and saw that I had been named the president and sent me an email thanking me for the work that we did together when I was a drug counselor here. I mean, that's what keeps you coming back. Yeah. You bet. I bet yep. that's true. And do you do you also find, and either one of you can answer this, I just was curious, it comes to my mind. Do you find that those that have successfully transitioned out of their homelessness and their drug addiction and all of the services that you help them with, do they come back and also then volunteer themselves? Absolutely. Absolutely. They do. Uh, not only do they volunteer, they're also uh, a lot of times donors. So nice. you you would be amazed at the success stories that have come out of this program. And, and uh, I've been to several weddings from past clients of mine. Um, mm. It's amazing when you get to see somebody graduate the program and thrive. And to add to that, we also have an alumni association so that they can stay plugged in. That's wonderful. So mm-hmm. there's and, no better and, advocate. There's no better advocate for what we do at family at home life and what we do at the mission than those who have successfully gone through the program, because the people yes. who are in our program uh, can see themselves in those people and give them hope and uh, mm-hmm. encouragement and, and uh, a bit of self-confidence, because that's a huge part of what's necessary to be able to get through to sobriety. You bet. Exactly. So, so, Dave Prentice, I want to ask you this. We, I heard about how Director Doan got involved. How about you? How how did you get involved and 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 did you, and you became involved with the Midnight Mission? Well, Marcia, you know, um, alcoholism has run in my family for generations. My grandfather had passed away from chronic alcoholism. My father had died from the same. 
And I saw myself Mm. going down that same road. And once I got involved in recovery, the job that I was doing uh, was not, it wasn't satisfying. I I didn't feel uh, that I was doing enough. And so I went back to school at Intercoast Colleges in Carson uh, to get my certification to become a drug and alcohol counselor. Now, the strange thing about this is uh, I had finished first in my class, and I was being Mm -hmm. heavily recruited to a lot of different treatment facilities, but I took a tour to Skid Row, and uh, that changed my life. Um, I saw the people down here suffering, and I thought to myself, why would the number one student go to Malibu to work? Uh, This is where the help is needed, Mm -hmm. and that's that's what the decision I made. Now, when I, when I came into the Midnight Mission to ask if I could intern here, they were the one organization that told me there would not be a job for me at the end of my internship because they were a nonprofit, they worked on a yearly budget, and they couldn't add to staff in the middle of the year. But wow. they said, you will get the best education in drug and alcohol counseling here than you can get anywhere else in the world. And so I accepted their offer and uh, became a drug and alcohol counselor on the last day of my internship. Uh, they did hire me. They made some space for me, and uh, I worked as a counselor for several years, uh, then became promoted to assistant program manager, and uh, a few years after that moved to development where I started to learn about the business of nonprofit. And being mm-hmm. of service not only to an individual but to an organization that takes care of the individual. And uh, that's how I got involved. Well, let me ask you this, since you, you explained that to me. How would you describe the difference between what you offer in the Midnight Mission from other providers in downtown L.A.? So I think the, the, the first thing that I like to talk about when you talk about the differences. I want to say that everybody down here, all of the missions are doing the best they can to help people get their lives together. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't ever compare us in a competitive way. We all have different ideas. Um, but the Midnight Mission is a little special. I like to say we do God's work, not his job. And what I mean by that is we don't have any strings attached to entry into any of our programs. If you come to us and say you want to change your life and you're willing to do what it takes to do that, we're going to make room for you to come in here. If you're hungry, we're going to feed you. If you need clothing, we're going to provide that. Um, you know, I've worked for Christian-based organizations. I, you know, I'm pretty strong in my faith. Um, and you look at the differences on a Christian organization, which most missions are, um, the, the primary purpose is your salvation. Um, I think at the Midnight Mission, we have a faith-based component, but we're open to everyone. So if you're Jewish, come in. Uh-huh. If you're uh-huh. a Muslim and you need help, you can come in and you'll be welcome. So you, right. if you're gay, you can come in and be welcome. So there's no stigmas attached to what your problem is. We just want to help you. I think another thing is that we're one of the few organizations that is not reliant on government money. Uh, so we get to run that healthy living program in a way that's more conducive to recovery that we may not be able to do if we were 
uh, totally reliant on government funding. And I think that uh, really separates us because what we're doing is we're teaching the population who comes through our program not to not what they can get, but what they can bring to the table. Uh, we start changing those behaviors and those thought processes. What I like to say that when, uh, when we have a graduate from the Healthy Living Program, I don't want them to graduate and look for low-income housing. I want them to graduate and look for housing, period. I want them Great. to have the, all of the tools necessary to live wherever they would like to live. And to that end, I have several people who were on my caseload uh, this past year who have bought homes for themselves, first-time home buyers in Los wow. Angeles at market rate. So we know that it can be done that way. And mm-hmm. that's, 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 I think, the biggest difference. We are working directly with the issues that caused you to become homeless in the first place. That stops the recidivism, and now we can move forward into what is it you would like to do with the rest of your life. Yeah. Um, a thought just came to me. So I know we sort of have an idea of some of the questions that we're going to be talking about. And uh, Director Doan, I know you don't have too many questions that are directed to you right now. But this is a thought that came to me as we're speaking today. From my experiences, when I was working with a homeless encampment not far from where I live, and um, that's what about those folks that have dogs? That's like that's their dog. That's like their only family on the street sometimes. You, you cannot take people in with dogs, can you? We can, and we do. And there are... Uh, we have a population of four dogs right now as we speak. So, oh yeah. gosh, that's that is you know, that we, gave me goosebumps. We see we see and have identified a lot of the problems that exist with uh, making someone chronically homeless feel welcome here, and mm-hmm. we realize that sometimes you just you cannot separate. Uh, there, that's a family member to a lot of people who are on the street, and a lot of times they're only friends. So we have uh, mobile veterinary services that come to the midnight mission. Uh, the mm. dog does have to be, you know, be current on shots. There are stipulations sure. that people have to follow for the animals, for the safety of the animal and the population. Uh, but if the dog is non-aggressive, come on in. Oh, man. It's, it's so interesting um, that that you're saying that because where, where I was assisting this organization called Share Hope USA, it was actually located in the community where I was raised, and the airport bought all the homes there. And it's called Manchester Square. That's that part of Los Angeles. And uh, all the houses were sold to the airport. And it was an encampment that... People were living in trailers or they were living in tents. Um, Department of Water and Power brought a drinking fountain to the fire hydrant so they could have some water. And a lot of us worked in organizations to bring them food and groomers and whatever we could do to help people. But my experience was is that so many of them just didn't want to get off the street. And that was what I was that's what I was visualizing. But with you guys, you have such amazing programs. And, and um, David, maybe you could just tell us a little bit about your music and art programs that you are involved in right now. Well, so every Thursday, 
we provide either music with a mission or art with a mission. Sometimes we have comedy with a mission. And mm. Thursdays we open up our dining room and we uh, invite the population on the street into the dining room for either a musical performance or art where we provide canvases, uh, paper, pens, markers, paint, and let them create their art. Um, we work very closely with the uh, Los Angeles Street Symphony, and so they oh. come in quite often to perform. Um, as a matter of fact, they do their Christmas performance here in our gymnasium, and I think it was 2019, it was written up in New Yorker magazine as the best performance oh, cool. of Handel's Messiah in, uh, in oh. Los Angeles, so pretty famous. Um, and, you know, what, what that does is it, we invite people in. There's always, I don't want to use the term ulterior motive, but what we're trying to do with these programs is to build trust and build a relationship with the people who are living around the Midnight Mission so that we can eventually bring them into a program. You never know when the window of opportunity is going to open for somebody where they have that one degree of willingness. And so right. these programs help, help our outreach people get to know them, uh, mm-hmm. talk to them with dignity and respect, and eventually make that suggestion of, you know, look, are, are you tired of living this way? We can help you. And now you're not talking to a stranger. It's not us against them. It's the mm-hmm. same guy who's been giving you popcorn during music with a mission for the last year. I can trust this guy. My popcorn's mm-hmm. always good, Right. So there's always there's always an engagement piece to whatever we're doing so that we can try to work on trust and relationships for people sure. who are hesitant about coming in. I didn't realize you had a gymnasium there. We do. We have actually we have more than a gymnasium. We have a whole uh health and wellness program with an on-site coach uh that oh will work case by case to get you physically mind, body, and spirit, right? We need to treat the whole person. So some people come in and they just walk laps. Others go into a a full weight room where they can lift weights and get themselves back into whatever physical shape they'd like to obtain. Mm -hmm. Um, All of it is inclusive. Wow, that's that's really, that's terrific. Um, In keeping with with what we've been talking about, what would you like people to know about the Midnight Mission that they may not be aware of? Maybe just like I wasn't aware that you had a gym. What are some of the other things that maybe people um, are not aware of? Well, so I like to think, you know, we take a lot of things for granted. And on the news these days, you hear about just getting people housed. And I think that um, the Midnight Mission's model of treating the reason why you became homeless in the first place is a more effective way to go than just putting somebody into a house. I'm all for mm-hmm. getting people off the street. Don't get me wrong. But right. I don't want them to go back to the street. And to stop that, you need to work on the root issues. So to that end, you have an entire education department where uh, somebody from the street can obtain their GED, even uh, start the college process here. We have a uh, career development person who will help people rewrite their resumes and uh, help them obtain employment that's enough to sustain them 
when they do leave the midnight mission. Um, we have a music program here separate from Music with a Mission, but we have our own house band where people can explore wow. uh, their musical talent. Um, it's, it's just beautiful. And now, here's the real deal. Um, all of this stuff is free to the people who need it, but it's not free to us. I think a lot Correct. of people take for granted that we're up and running two, 365 days a year uh, and we're able to serve this million dollar, these, these million dollar, a million meals a year, excuse me. Um, but it costs money, and I would love to see people come down toward the Midnight Mission and consider donating to the mission so that we can keep the lights on and keep these type of programs going. This is a lot yeah. different than offering somebody a handout. This is truly mm-hmm. offering a handout. Right. We're going to talk a little bit of, about that more with, with Director Doan, but um, I just think that you've said so many things about what you're offering. As someone that's been there more than once, I, I personally didn't know that you offered all of those different services. Do you, Are you guys ever on the news? I mean, I would think the local news stations would absolutely want to interview you guys. Has that ever happened? Well, funny you should say that. I did the uh, KTLA Channel 5 News this week. Oh, I my on, gosh. Uh, I was, I'll send you the link. I was on the morning show. Uh, we've also done a taping for Fox News and uh, an episode of L.A. Unscripted uh, that's wow. out right now. And then uh, mm-hmm. in December or January, we're doing a full 15-minute segment for Spectrum One News. That's fabulous. Director Doan, I I want you to have a chance to speak a little bit as well. Is there anything that you um, would like to add based on um, what David just said? Well, I I think the the key to what we're trying, if people don't necessarily know about the mission, is that, uh, you know, we're not like every other mission out there because we don't have Mm -hmm. the religious component that's mandatory or uh, has conditions, et cetera. Uh, and we're open to anybody who wants to uh, to get their life back in order, wants to deal with their sobriety issues, wants to deal with their homelessness issues. Uh, we're there for them for anything. And we'll, we have come up with all kinds of programs, as David's talked about, with the music and the art and uh, uh, the different activities that we do to build a relationship with people, to give people an opportunity to get back in touch with their humanity uh, mm-hmm. to get themselves reintegrated back into a society that is productive and not destructive. Uh, those are the things that we focus on. It's not just uh, give somebody a meal and uh, send them on their way. We're trying right. to help rebuild a, a whole a human person. being. Right. Exactly. And too often people just look at that as, well, they're just giving them food and, and uh, shelter and, and maybe they get them out of trouble. We are trying to make that connection. That's, that's the thing for us. And that every day is a new day. Every day is a new opportunity to uh, to change your life, uh, and that's the messaging that, that we try to get to our clients and to everyone out there is that you can make a difference, and today is the day to do that. Well, Director Doan, let me just – I, I want to ask you this question. I know this isn't something you expected me to ask you, but I don't, can't imagine you wouldn't understand this. So you're, you're um, a mom and a dad, and you live in Michigan, 
and the last time you knew where your son was or your daughter was was someplace in Southern California. You've had no connection to them. You don't know where they are. You're really worried. When you have these residents come and actually stay with you, are you able to ever, with their permission, reach out to their family members to let them know about how they're doing? Yes, that's agree. Family unification is a is an important part in many people's lives. Sometimes it's the family that is the reason for their uh, uh, their issues. Uh, so yes. you, you certainly got to take inventory with them about you know why did as as our president said earlier why did they become homeless? Uh, there's mm-hmm. a lot of things that go with that. Could be education, could be an addiction issue, could be a mental health uh, issue. Uh, any number of things that can create uh, the environment that, that's driven him to uh, homelessness, et cetera. And our job is to try to help identify what those things are and help them get the tools necessary to cope with them. And certainly uh, once somebody's got into the sobriety program, et cetera, uh, something that uh, David would be much better to talk about since he did it full time, but is to try to get them connected back up with family if it's a positive relationship help them uh, rebuild those uh, relationships as a part of the foundation for their new, uh, their new life. Uh, It it really depends on the person. Some people that may not necessarily be the best thing to do. So it may be something you do towards the end of their sobriety uh, program and not necessarily at the beginning. It just depends on the person. Right. That, that makes sense what you, what you said. And, um, um, president Dave, what I'd like to know is where do you see the mission the midnight mission in five years from now. Well, five years from now, I think this is the this is the time where the midnight mission is going to grow. Um, we would mm-hmm. like to see a drug and alcohol treatment facility be built in the San Fernando Valley. Oh. Uh, we have seen the we have seen the need, um, and this is anything we do is driven by the people first. What is the need? Um, the need the need in the San Fernando Valley, uh, they have a lot of sheltered beds, but for drug and alcohol treatment or the healthy living program, uh, not so much. And we have talked to several of the politicians in the area who would welcome the idea of the Midnight Mission bringing its healthy living program to the San Fernando Valley. So that expansion is our big goal in the next five years. Another focus is going to be women's treatment beds. Um, As we talked about before, you know, a lot of these beds that are being created, a lot of these spots for programs are men-centered, and Mm -hmm. that has left a hole in treatment for drug and alcohol uh, addiction for women. And, again, driven by the need, um, those beds need to be created. And uh, the Midnight Mission has always, you know, been first at trying to uh, address the needs of the population, and that's where we're going short term. Uh, I think within, yes, by the end of 2024, we will have uh, women's treatment beds here at our location in downtown Los Angeles, and when the new facility opens in the San Fernando Valley, it will also contain uh, women treatment beds. So that's, Wonderful. That's, that's the next five years, and that's that's a, that's a big chunk of work within five years, but we'll get it. Yes. Back. Well, so Director Doan, okay. So like you said just a little bit earlier, this doesn't come for free. So uh, I'm looking at your website, and there's multiple ways that people can donate and be involved, but 
How do you guys get the money to fund all of these services? Well, we're doing one of those things today. We're getting the message yes, out about we what we do as part of our, our fundraising efforts. And uh, mm-hmm. we have a very structured approach to identifying uh, donors. Uh, we get a lot of people from uh, the recovery community. We have a huge support from the uh, uh, AA community. Uh, I bet. In, in our program, we have a significant number of uh, uh, people from AA on our donor list uh, who've been there, understand uh, the needs, and have the compassion and uh, the humanity of wanting to help others who have been in the same position they are. Uh, they're a significant part of our donor base, but we reach out and, and raise funds uh, every year to meet our particular mm-hmm. budget. We do not rely on government funds. Uh, we are receiving some government funds for some of the crisis beds we do now, but if the government funding were to dry up, uh, we probably still provide the beds. We just have to find a different way to, to fund those. But we uh, do, and we're very proud of the work that we do here. And, in fact, we've been recognized uh, by Charity Navigator, the nation's largest and most utilized evaluator of charities, as one of their uh, four-star charities. Uh, we've had that designation since 2015 for uh, nice. our accountability, our transparency, and the financial health of the organization. But it's through your listeners and others who uh, commit to making donations. Uh, we have a number of fundraising events uh, that we do to help uh, focus uh, that, but we really rely on our annual donors uh, to uh, keep the lights on in the food flowing. That's great. So, um, Dave Prentice, um, yes. you've got something coming up called the Banquet of Hope campaign. What, what can you tell us about that? Well, we are currently in the Banquet of Hope uh, campaign, and the Banquet right. of Hope, you know, uh, normally we would have a yearly gala. This year we decided to forego the gala and have all the monies that we would have spent to throw that event dedicated to meals uh, for the population that we serve. So the goal of Banquet of Hope this year is to raise $1 million dollars to provide 400,000 meals throughout the holiday season. And it's a very ambitious goal. I believe our current total is somewhere around $400,000. So we have a long way to go, and the campaign is going to run all the way through Christmas. Um, You know, I I don't know how many of your listeners know this. You've probably seen us on the news. But every Thanksgiving, we are going to shut down Uh, the street in front of the Midnight Mission where we will provide a stage and we will serve the population of Skid Row restaurant style with volunteers, meaning they sit down at a table and they are served with dignity and respect and made to feel welcome just like any one of us would want to feel during a holiday. On Christmas, we will have not only the homeless population, but low-income families will come from surrounding areas, and they will wrap around our building in a line the night before. Uh, We'll serve them hot chocolate, and we will invite their families into the building Christmas morning where each child will receive three gifts um, so that they can actually have a Christmas. Um, You know, people don't realize that there's, there's a large population that's on the verge of homelessness. And if we can keep them housed, if we can keep them uh, self-sufficient right now, we won't have them on the street. And so that's just as vital of an operation on Christmas uh, when we take care of 
the little things in life, the, you know, the, the Christmas present that, you know, somebody wants is, is just, it changes people's lives and it mm-hmm. creates a lot of hope. Um, I was so the just going to say that. Yeah. Now, I, when I say 400,000 meals, I don't want to just leave it at that. It's not just here's a meal, have a nice holiday. This is 400,000 opportunities for us to build a relationship to get somebody off the street, to get somebody enrolled in a program. Um, It's 400,000 engagements of people who really need to be touched to move forward. And that's the underlying current. And we're using the meals as a means to that end. So when you give, it's not enabling anybody. It is totally helping us uh, to build that bridge that will get somebody off the street and start working on their issues. Wow. How do um how can people partner with you guys? I mean, do you, do you have how do you get volunteers? How how does this all work? Okay, so we have a volunteer coordinator. You can just call the Midnight Mission and tell the front desk I want to volunteer and they'll transfer you. The easiest way to do it is to go on to our website at midnightmission.org. And you'll see a drop-down menu that says volunteer. You click that link, put your name in, and our volunteer coordinator will reach out to you. And uh, in schedule, we do corporate. Now, think about this. We serve 700 meals, breakfast, lunch, and dinner every day of the year. Uh, There's no way we could afford a staff to do that. The majority of the labor comes from volunteer groups. So we have mm-hmm. schools, especially private schools that uh, need to uh, have credits for community engagement, that type of thing. Um, we provide volunteer opportunities for them. Corporate team builds come here. Um, SoCal Gas is one of the ones that come on a weekly nice. basis. They're here every Friday uh, for lunch. So there are just numerous ways that you can be of service by just clicking that volunteer button. Uh, right next to that volunteer button is the donate button, and that to us is probably the most important because we really do sure. need, you know, with the with the world situation as it is now and the homeless crisis in Los Angeles as it is now, uh, any help that you can give to help us keep those lights on is vitally important. I I, I can't imagine um, this. The, the, the scope of this, and I noticed that you've got something coming up like this week called the Turkey Trot. You want to, one of you guys would, would you like to talk about that? Yes. So Turkey Trot is an event that we've been doing, I think, for 11 years now, and okay. uh, it is it's going to start in on on uh, yeah it is 11. It's our 11th year. There's a 5K, a 10K, there's a little, uh, there's a smaller walk for kids 12 and under. Um, there's even a, a dog, a dog jog, they call it, for one mile. Oh, so neat. you can come down with your, right? You can come down with mm-hmm. your pet. It starts in front of City Hall on Thanksgiving morning, and you're home in time to start your, uh, start your cooking. It doesn't throw your schedule off one little bit. And you, you can as well donate at that event. So just the easiest way, go to our, go to our website. Uh, there's a section called News and Events, and it's a drop-down menu, and you just click yep. Turkey Trot, and you can sign up. And everybody gets a T-shirt that they participated in, and it's just a, a wonderful, wonderful event. 
thousands of people will come to that. Um, it's a it's a great event. Oh, that's great. You know what? When I talk to people like yourselves that are in the nonprofit world, I often wonder just what it means to you, what you love most about what it is that you do. And so I know I didn't prepare you to ask that question to you, but I can't imagine since it's heartfelt. I mean, my hand is over my heart as I'm speaking to you. What is it? And I would like you both to take a moment and just say what it means to be associated with the Midnight Mission. I don't care which one of you would like to go first. What you love most about what you do. Go ahead, David. Okay. Well, for me, it's really easy, and we'll go back to what I said before. It's the successes that I get to see. Um, the relationships that I have made over the 12 years that I've been involved with the Midnight Mission are irreplaceable. It truly is my family. I would also like to say that I am blessed with the most passionate, dedicated staff that any CEO could possibly get. Um, I have people that go above and beyond every day, and truly we are building a family at the Midnight Mission as a staff as well as our connection with the population that lives outside our building. Um, these are lifelong relationships that will never go away, both with people who have graduated and people who work here. And uh, I'm just uh, sometimes I'm overwhelmed with gratitude that I get to come to this place to go to work. Uh, this special place that has changed so many lives. Uh, to even sit in an office with so much history of helping people is uh, a feeling that's really hard to describe, but it is, a, uh, it is a joy and a privilege. And I get up every morning, and I'm excited to come to work. I am excited. Oh, man. Every, I sit for 45 minutes on the 101 freeway every morning, uh -huh. and I can't wait to get here to see what's next. So right. I hope that answers right. your question. It does. And that was Prentice. What about you, Don? Uh, the same thing. It's the people. It's the opportunity to, uh, to see uh, uh, people making a difference in their lives. Uh, it's, sure. just a great, it's just a great thing. And uh, you, really can't, you really can't describe it until you've seen the people making those transitions. And mm -hmm. uh, having been there for 25 years, I've seen thousands of people who've been able to make that transition and are still around giving back and such. And being able to work with people like uh, President Prentice and his staff sure. is, like you said, a, a hand over heart type of a moment yeah. to say, uh, you know, I really, really am, am happy just to be a part of this. You know, I, I'm looking at your website. Your website is well-designed. And I came across this 1201 Club Alumni Association. Wow. Mm -hmm. So who want, would one of you like to – we have just another – we have about six more minutes. So would one of you like to talk about this Alumni Association? Sure, I can do that. Um, the Alumni Association is designed – so that when you graduate from the Midnight Mission, you're not just thrown out onto the street. You're not uh -huh. just disconnected. Uh, there is no ending. And I'm going to share a story with you. Um, when I was a drug counselor, I had a man, an uh, older Filipino man, that came to the door and asked to speak to the president of the mission, which was uh, Mr. Larry Adamson 
uh, at that time. And uh, they gave security the name, and, and director uh, President Adamson had him come up to the office. And it turned out that this person's identification number, he was the number seven uh, from when we started keeping numbers of how many people were going through our drug and alcohol treatment program. He was hmm. number seven. He had graduated wow. the program years and years and years ago, had maintained his sobriety, and uh, he lost his wife. His children had moved back to the Philippines, and now he was on hard times and had lost his housing. And he told uh, CEO Adamson, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm too old to start over again. I've been retired. And uh, President Adamson looked at him and said, what are you kidding me? You are Midnight Mission alumni, and we have a place for you forever. And he was moved up into our third floor. And this man in his late 70s would get up every morning and go down into the kitchen and volunteer with the breakfast crew and help prep food for the meal every day. And he stayed here until the day he passed um, as a graduate of the Healthy Living Program at the Midnight Mission. And when I, you know, to, to even be attached to an organization who looks after their graduates like that? It just I got I have goosebumps right now. Uh, yes. But he he what an example he was to the rest of the men. And at the end, when he was very ill, the men would go upstairs, check on him, bring him food, um, help him with whatever he needed. And he got to pass in a safe environment, surrounded by friends, people who loved him, and with a purpose in his life. And for that, I'm just, I'm just so grateful. So that's what the Alumni Association does. He was alumni number seven. If you wow. can just imagine, I think the number now is, uh, if I look at mine, uh, we're at, we're at six thousand six hundred and forty-two, <gasps> and he was number seven. Oh my gosh! So, you have over six thousand. Yeah. Wow. So. I think that's uh, I think that's quite a testament to the work of the Midnight Mission. You bet it is. And you know, when you put your heads down, each of you, on your pillows at night, and you reflect what you've done—not solely on your own, but collectively in a group of like-minded men and women—it must just must just make you. And this year of thank. Thanksgiving at this time of Thanksgiving this week to know that you've had that kind of an impact on so many and 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 it's not like it's going to go away so it's not like perhaps somebody that's listening right now couldn't say man this is this is right up my alley I'd like to do something like this my sorority my fraternity my whatever my rotaract club my, my my company, my company for sure. You know how can my company do something to support you? And your website will make that very easy. It, it's not a difficult task to get involved. And not at I, all. I, and I just, I, I'm just so grateful that the both of you. And you know, let's just face it. Thanks to Gwen Vuches and her husband Jim Vuches that introduced. You, Dave Doan, to our Rotary Club. That's how I. That's how I got your business card. That's how this whole thing started. And 
I'm just so privileged to be able to do this every week, especially with the .org. And I just want to thank each of you so much for joining me today. This is this has been a really um, successful, emotional production and show together. I, I'm just so thankful that you are both able to join me. Well, thank you for the <sighs> opportunity to talk to your listeners and uh, and share the story of of the midnight. Uh, you bet. It's it's been a pleasure. I wish you both a safe and and um, thankful Thanksgiving. And um, we don't know. Maybe a year from now we'll do this again and see where we stand. But I can assure you, I'm sure my Ply Venice Rotary Club will be back there to help again. And um, just be blessed. And um, and I thank you once again. And everybody, enjoy your Thanksgiving wherever you are, however you do it. And think about how maybe you could help somebody um, with their homeless situation. Oh, okay. I'm going to say goodbye for now. Thanks, everybody. This has been lovely. Bye. Thank, thank you. Marcia. My pleasure. know a guy who only occasionally shaves for big occasions and it's because that occasional shave really hurts it's the time of year for big occasions and yet there he is suffering with that cheap drugstore razor let's help him out henson shavings line of razors built with aerospace precision deliver a smooth shave your dad brother and even son can enjoy eventually with replacement blades just 10 cents each you'll buy it once and they'll use it for life how's that for the perfect gift Celebrate with 100 free blades on your first purchase. And no subscription headaches. HensonShaving.com slash holiday. Introducing F2Osports.com, a revolution in sports that turns fans into owners by decentralizing sports ownership. Our F2O Sports process is simple, online, and compliant with an SEC-registered funding portal. By heading to our website, F2Osports.com, fans from around the world have an opportunity to own a sports club. So visit us at F2Osports.com and own the game. F2O.